What am I to do? Welcome to Razor Branding Podcast with Jackie Russo. To learn more about how to improve your brand, visit brandrusso.com. Hi, it's Jackie Russo. Welcome to Razor Branding, the live video podcast. Today, we are talking with Ryan from Scott Eye Care. And let me tell you, this guy does so much more than just fix people's eyes. You are going to be amazed at all of the different things he's had to transition to and through during his pandemic pivot. So literally 30 seconds before we went live, we were having some technical difficulties. Um, I could see Ryan, but he could not see or hear me. So we'll see if he's come back on and if he's able to rejoin us. Ryan? Hey, can you hear me? Yay! Right. It worked! Awesome. <laughs> Modern technology. I yeah. love it. That is awesome. So, start with telling everybody kind of your real day job. You are Scott Eye Care. And how long have you been in business and what kind of uh, cases do you see on a regular basis? Okay, so yeah. Uh, back in uh, 2013, I started Scott Eye Care from scratch. I didn't have any patient base, uh, but I'm from Scott and I've always wanted to uh, start my own clinic. I worked for an optometrist uh, out of uh, Eunice for about a year. Uh, that just wasn't working for me. So I decided, you know, hey, I'm already, uh, I'm already broke. I don't have, uh, I don't have, you know, wife, kids or anything. Let's start this now. Uh, and so I started Scott Eye Care with zero patients in 2013, and uh, we are going to be seven on uh, June uh, June 10th. Okay. And uh, we're at um, we went from two employees and one doctor to uh, nine employees, uh, two doctors, and sixteen thousand patients. So we've grown very rapidly patients. in seven years. I mean, what's the total population of Scott? <laughs> <laughs> it's like eight to 9,000. Okay, that's my point. Um, so not only are you seeing everyone in the city of Scott, but you're seeing just about everybody in Acadiana. Yeah, trying to, uh, you know, people come from all over. They come from Scott, they come from Lafayette, they come from Rain, Crowley, Church Point. Um, there's a underserved area, you know, west of Lafayette, um, between here and Lake Charles. So uh, I cater to a lot of those patients as well. Right, right. But that's impressive, I think. And that just shows that the need was there if 16,000 people in such a short amount of time have found you. Uh, now, the first time I remember us really hanging out and spending time together was at Monica's vision boarding workshop back in October. Mm -hmm. um, and I thought you had some really great plans on your vision board for what you wanted to accomplish in 2020. And then the pandemic happened. So how much have you had to do a pandemic pivot for your business? <laughs> so I think Monica was talking about me when she said that I wanted to just throw away my vision board and just start over. <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, I've had to do a lot. I mean, you know, if I could talk about when uh, the, the coronavirus came to town, you know, myself and my associate, Dr. Millie, you know, we're doctors, so we, we kind of understand how this, this type of thing works. Uh, although we're not epidemiologists, we, right. we get it. So uh, we were one of the first businesses to voluntarily close. You know, this is nothing to joke about. Uh, we get all up in your face when we do an eye exam. So right. We really can't do that, you know, so... 
I decided let's close for two weeks and see what happens. We have, uh, you know, we have the reserves to survive that. Um, and then that is when I went into fight or flight mode, like crazy. It was, it was insane. I wouldn't wish it upon anybody, but I think a lot of us went through that. Um, but basically, um, I furloughed, you know, the, the, the federal stimulus plan allowed me to furlough my employees, make sure they're still getting paid. Um, I was able to obtain a, a PPP payroll protection plan, uh, loan. Um, but in the meantime, I laid everybody off except, I mean, including myself. Right. So, uh, I had to do that. But in the meantime, I was catering to emergencies. Um, so I was on call. I'd come to the clinic when an emergency would happen. And, uh, when I could, I saw patients via telehealth. Okay. So like if someone had a sty, like a bump on their eye, uh, a red eye, that's easily assessed via telehealth, but for emergencies, you know, people, um, are bored, you know what I'm saying? They're working right. on their homes. They're, uh, doing extracurricular activities. And so there was a big spike in eye injuries, uh, during this time. So I was, um, I managed to, to, to see 75, 76 visits from the time we closed until two weeks ago when um our restrictions were a little bit lifted so right. it, it, i stayed busy right which is a good thing and i'm sure like unlike if um if i needed to see my internist there's not a lot they can do through telehealth but you're right you can see people's eyes you can see the area around it so that does give you a little bit of an advantage um i was thinking of you when i was watching the parks and rec special the other night and uh, dr jeffrey jam was offering to send people dental equipment and then he would telehealth tell them how to fix their cavities so you're not going so far as to doing eye exams but you're dealing with those big emergencies yeah so telehealth i mean we can use it to assess um you know small things like styes and um you know red eyes but as far as doing an eye exam you know looking inside the eye uh, uh, you know making sure there's no issues inside any, any serious disease blindness causing issues um you know we really can't do that right. yet um but also do follow-ups so like let's say you come in uh, with an eye injury and I say, oh, that'll, you know, I'll put you on some medications, but you know, this will heal in a couple of days. Right. You don't have to come back into the office because I, I know this is going to look a hundred percent in a couple of days. So let's just follow up via telehealth in the worst case scenario. I'll tell you on our telehealth conference to come into the office. So right. it, it's working out pretty good. I, I really like it. And I foresee us using it in the future. That was going to be my question. You know, a lot of people who've either been on the show or I've just talked to in daily life are saying there are things that have had to happen during this time of pandemic that they've realized are going to stick around, that they want to, they're improvements to their business. So telehealth would be one for you. Are there any other changes to your business that you're thinking, I'm not happy about it, but I think we're going to start doing that? I got you. Yeah, I would just say, the main thing is telehealth. So I think a lot of optometrists and doctors in general have been uh, hesitant to embrace it. Mostly, like Monica said, because of a, a payment issue, you right? Know, it doesn't, you know, does it pay as well um, as an in-office visit? Um, you know, 
liability wise, our our uh, malpractice insurance covers telehealth. I just don't see any reason to not embrace it. And especially now, you know, right. get ahead of the curve, get ahead of your competitors, learn how to use it. Um, but, you know, business speaking, business wise, I can book a telehealth follow up uh, while my staff is seeing a higher paying, you know, full eye exam. Right. So it's only going to increase our revenue. So I don't understand um, why anyone would not embrace this technology. Right. I love the fact that you talk about your business like a business. Um, I appreciate it's healthcare. I appreciate that you're doing good work that's necessary, but you also realize it, it's, it's a numbers game. It's a profit and loss business and you have to do, um, treat it like a business person to stay in business. And I think that's an important balance that a lot of doctors sometimes don't talk about it because they don't want to be perceived as focusing on the money. But I think you have a good balance and I think that's important. What other businesses, when you look around and see some of the pandemic pivots that they've gone through, have you thought, I like what that guy's doing? Mm-hmm. Is there anybody that yeah. jumps out at you? So I want to add to what you just said. Sure. But, uh, I, I was speaking to my friend, uh, Dr. Derek Hines. Uh, he owns Acadiana Pain and Performance Rehab. So he does a lot of physical therapy, cryotherapy. Uh, he has a float tank. He has all kind of cool oh, stuff. Cool. Um, but uh, I was telling him, like, you know, as a doctor and a business owner, um, it's hard to pull yourself away from being the doctor to uh, work on the business instead of in the business. Um, because you've, you've educate you've been in education for like 20 something years to be a doctor and you've paid all of this money to be a doctor. Then at the end of the day, you're more focused on running your business than seeing the patients. But in my opinion, like I like that part of the, the the business even more than seeing the patients. And I realized that I can bring doctors in um, and train them how I would see a patient and they'll do just as good of a job while I can focus on growing the business and being the best they can be. But to answer your question, um, I see a lot of my friends that are uh, counselors mm-hmm. that are doing embracing teletherapy. And I, I see a lot of people uh, opening up about mental health issues. And I would say my friend, Christy Pennison, who recently moved from Lafayette to Alexandria, she's really embraced um, teletherapy and, and she's had webinars and stuff like that. Uh, but I've really noticed the um, the therapists, the counselors really uh, thriving right now, which I mean, they should. They're, people people are, are, everyone's having a hard time right now, whether yeah. they admit it or not. Right. No. And I think everyone's having a hard time, period. Uh, And my kids were talking about how tired they are. And I said, you're under stress. And they said, we don't feel stressed out. I said, the entire world is under stress. Anytime you have something this big affecting all of us, stress enters your system. You've got to uh, know it, realize it and adapt to it. You know, you've got to do some things differently. And I'm loving all of the counselors who have been able to step up and say, we got you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I read something uh, on social media the other day that made a lot of sense. It, it was saying, uh, you know, although, you know, we're not, we maybe not, maybe we aren't in the same boat, but we're in the same storm, man. I love that quote. It's one of my yeah. favorites. I saw yeah. it too. 
Yeah, it really, absolutely. it's true because we're all going through it together, not in the same way. Um, you know, you're still somewhat closed, but starting to see some patients. We've been managing clients the whole time and other people are weeks, if not months away from being open to be able to reopen at all. So we're all in different places, but the storm is the storm. And I think we have to recognize that. Uh, you were talking about the challenges of working in your business and working on your business. Have you ever read the uh, book E-Myth? Yep. That's my oh, freaking Bible, man. Right? <laughs> I've given it to uh, a few other people. I've gifted it to them. It's uh, it's incredible. And that's how I try to run run Scott Eye Care. And it, it, the thing that sucks the most about, you know, the coronavirus uh, restrictions is, I had it running like a like a franchise. You know, the goal of the book is to is to install systems in your business to where um, you're running it like a franchise and right. it's running itself. And I had it at that point. I could step aside. I could go on vacation. I had plans to go to Coachella, oh. uh, but <laughs> but uh, you know, this all happened and it swept the rug from underneath me. And uh, that that was uh, that still that sucks it's yeah sucks. it does but, uh, it really yeah, does E-Myth is an awesome awesome book for entrepreneurs i agree completely i think anybody whether you run a company or you work in a company you should read the e-myth because it'll help you be a better either leader in that company or employee until you have your own company i think it's a great thing um now talking about coachella you are quite the musician and you mm -hmm. have a band mm -hmm. yes and so that also had to go on hold during the pandemic yeah uh, have so, y'all done any online concerts or any pivot there? Yeah. So, uh, you know, we had a few gigs uh, scheduled. My band is Dr. C and the Grigri. I've played locally for, you know, 15 years or so off and on. Uh, you know, we had to cancel some gigs, but three of the four of us have like day jobs. Sure. Uh, Brock, our bass player. You know, he cooks, but he's, I mean, if you get to know him, he's a musician first. Um, and he's picked up gigs with a band called the Vermillionaires. They're a cover band and they play mm -hmm. like casinos and weddings. And so he was making some, he was starting to make some good money. Um, and so instead of uh, scheduling, you know, concerts online streaming and competing with the plethora of other musicians that need the income okay so there's a lot of full-time musicians doing live streaming that rely on that income instead of getting in that mix you know letting them have the spotlight right now i um uh, i was uh introduced to this idea by my friend monica rowan she is the sustainability coordinator at ul lafayette she showed me this website that's selling t-shirts made out of uh 50% upcycled cotton and 50% uh, plastic water bottles. Wow. And so we've been selling these shirts and $10 from each shirt goes to Brock. And so far we've sold 70 shirts. That's awesome. Never in my life. I don't think in all of my bands combined have i sold 70 shirts so it's pretty cool man so brock is gonna walk away with 700 dollars, and still that's not um that that'll replace maybe two gigs for him and right. that, that kind of sucks but it's something you know 
What's the link? Because maybe Michael can put the link up on the screen so people can see it and we can sell some more shirts. That would be great. Yeah, it's recoverbrands.com slash DRC, like Dr. C. Now, and, Seth uh, Thomas says that it's got a cool design, too. Was Seth involved in the creation of that logo on the shirt? Or is he just an admirer? So uh, it's actually Hannah Gumbo. Hannah, okay. Hannah, Hannah Thibodeau is a, a friend I met. She's out in Eunice. She's an incredible, um, I think it's recoverbrands.com slash Dr. C. Oh, he's going to get that fixed. Yeah, but the, um, the, yeah, Hannah designed it. And it's actually our new album cover, uh, Louisiana Blood. So Louisiana okay. Blood is a, is a new album that we're coming out with. Uh, this is, as a musician, this is my sixth album. Wow. Um, but this one is different we decided uh or i decided let's let's do a covers record and let's invite various louisiana musicians to help us um cover these songs and so um it's ready to go now but like we have no show to promote or anything so i'm just holding on to it for now right but that's going to be a great thing when we can all get back together again that's going to be an awesome time for people to come here, y'all. Buy the CDs, buy some more merch. Um, I, I think the whole town has this pent up energy waiting for the first Downtown Alive or festival or get together. It's going to be oh, huge. Oh, absolutely, man. Huge. We, we, we can't wait to dance. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So um, I know that you focus a lot on your team. And I know it's been an important part of you building the processes and the success that you have at Scott Eye Care. So talk to me about, as you've had to furlough your employees, how have you kept them connected and, and engaged and uh, ready for whatever the future holds? Yeah. So, I mean, I was finally at a point, you know, this is six, seven years in the making where I had the team that I wanted. This was the team that I've dreamed of. Right. Um, and so it's important for me. And it's, it's very it's been very important for me to to have them kind of guide this ship. You know, I'm I'm just I'm a, I, I I guess I guide the ship, but they really uh, they really run it, honestly. Um, so I think that uh, having them, you know, they're they're really bought into it. Um, they understand uh, that they are a huge part of it um, and they were OK being put on furlough and they understand that they have a job waiting for them. Um, and even though some of them are making more on on this this temporary unemployment uh, spike, like they're ready to come back. And I couldn't have asked for a better situation for sure. That's awesome. Well, I think that's part of having a great team and having created an environment that they feel so loyal to. So that's a testament to you picking the right people and training them the right way. So that's a great thing. Um, when you think about what the future holds, you know, you're starting to see some patients now. What do you see as the next steps? Obviously within the, the guidelines of whatever the governor decides, but how do you roll out reopening? Yeah. So kind of like the governor is taking, I'm taking it two weeks at a time. Um, even though the payroll protection plan says, you know, you've got to uh, hire all your employees back. Um, you know, honestly, the 1% two-year loan is more valuable to me. Uh, so if I don't get it 100% uh, forgiven, then I'm okay with that. Um, 
I need to use that money um, to generate, you know, cash flow for the clinic. So um, as far as, you know, rolling out um, eye exams again, uh, wellness exams, I guess I should say. Right. You know, we're still we're doing eye exams now, but only for medical diagnoses. So if you have diabetes, cataracts, glaucoma, macular degeneration, if you have an emergency, uh, keratoconus, different eye diseases, we can see you now. Well, we're just doing one an hour and we're doing telehealth. Uh, I'm kind of waiting for the next guidelines from the Louisiana Department of Health to decide what to do from there. But I could see us move into every 30 minutes and then bringing Dr. Millie back in, uh, my associate. Um, you know, but again, every, two weeks at a time because that incubation period of the virus uh, we need to see how the community responds to the uplifted restrictions right. before we make, um, you know, some serious moves. Right. Well, and I think everybody's worried about, you know, the flip the switch, everybody comes back and then we see a huge spike and we got to start all over again. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think everybody's yeah. trying to figure out how to balance the economy and health, because obviously neither works without the other. <laughs> We've got to yeah. keep them both together, you know? Yeah. Uh, so have you done anything for professional development during this time, giving them some additional training, any sort of, um, what do you do for professional development in general at Scott Eye Care? Uh, typically we have a yearly uh, retreat. So I'll hire a consultant to come in and we will, uh, talk about, you know, what we've accomplished the past year and what we plan to accomplish the next year. Um, and then we'll have uh, monthly meetings, uh, talk about, you know, where we can improve. Uh, but as far as, you know, during this downtime, I haven't had a lick of a second to, to, <laughs> to really even look at that, honestly. Uh, but some of them on their own have been uh, training to become certified para optometry or, or certified optometric assistants. Okay. Um, and so there's a, there's a, a study guide and there's a test you can take to become certified. And it just means that, you know, Hey, I, I, I really know what I'm doing. It's an on the job training type of position, but, uh, if you're certified, then you can, I mean, you know what you're doing. So right. you can do um, they've more. kind of been doing that on their own, though. So that's kind of awesome. I mean, again, yeah. that's a testament to your team that they're taking it upon themselves to go enrich their education and, and come back even better trained for what's next. That's yeah, for sure. That says a lot to why 16,000 people choose you and come and see you. Um, uh, so you have a third passion that I think now might be a really good time to talk about. Tell us about what you do with musical instruments in the community. Okay, so, yeah. Uh, in 2018, um, I launched the Lafayette Community Library. Okay, and that's short for Musical Instrument Library. Mm -hmm. um, so in 2017, um, I had heard about the 24-Hour Citizen Project. It's an awesome project that's, uh, you know, yearly or so, you know, yearly-ish in Lafayette. And uh, Butch Russell runs it, and he gets people to pitch their community ideas shark tank style um to community investors and uh if your idea is great you know you can win a grant to to fund it and so that was my idea was to have a library where you can check out musical instruments because an issue with the instruments is you know they're freaking expensive right so uh what if 
you know, let's say little Johnny wants to learn uh, the banjo. Well, mom and dad bought a banjo, but he was really meant to play the drums. <laughs> okay. So right. mom and dad are going to be like, no, you stuck with that banjo, Johnny. You, we're not getting drums now. Right. So that was kind of my idea behind it. Um, and also, you know, especially where the library is, okay, on in Upper Lafayette, uh, it's it's a, a it's in an indigent area, and so these kids don't have access to instruments at all, and so it kind of serves two purposes: you can try before you buy, and uh, you can have access to them. Period. So uh, it's it's been awesome. The community's embraced it. Um, a, a lot of people still don't know about it, uh, but it's uh, it's been great, and I've I've loved where it's taken me. It's I've spoken at conferences and stuff about it. Uh, it's been it's been awesome. I love it. Well, we made sure. I think seven or eight people watching right now have now seen it. So we're helping to spread the word every chance we get. Um, what I love about it, and and I think you touched on it, was. Kids don't always know where their calling is. And so this gives them a chance to test drive multiple instruments until they find the one that's right for them. So you're encouraging that music education, but you're also saving parents from heading down the wrong path and having a kid hate an instrument because he's forced to play one that he wasn't really right for. Mm -hmm. um, and then also like, uh, you know, some people will bring up, hey, you know, are you, aren't you competing with the rental services or, you know, music shops local music shops well no um uh, i've had multiple local shops tell me that kids have come to them after they went to the library to buy an instrument especially uh anya at soul of violins downtown she's told me uh kid has going to buy a violin after she tried one at the library so uh it's pretty awesome to see that it, it's also having an even however small it might be, it's having an economical impact too. Which is great. So um, people can go to the Facebook page and learn more about how they can donate instruments, donate funds, or check out instruments, right? That's correct. And right Good. now I'm running a special fundraiser because the library is closed. Okay. That particular library location doesn't have a drive-through, so um, it can't be open right now. And so I thought, like, how can I help prospective musicians um, during coronavirus restrictions? Well, um, I have friends that own music, uh, music lesson uh, services, okay, or music teachers. Um, they've lost a lot of students right. during this because parents are like, what can I cut out of our budget right now? And the first thing is like, oh, music lessons let's right. cut our kids music lessons so right now the fundraiser is to raise um you know one of my good friends is is tim benson at music academy of acadiana he's also a neighbor but uh he's lost 50 kids since wow. this started and so we're trying to raise 6400 dollars. that would pay for a month's worth of their lessons to try to get them you know maybe we can bridge the gap from when their parents can go back to work um but we, we just don't we don't want these kids to completely drop out of music lessons because right. I, I could see that happening. So how do people go to donate to that? So the fundraiser, you can do it two ways. Uh, one is uh, if you go to the, the library page on Facebook, there's a link. Uh, the direct link is uh, is a, is a bit.ly link. So 
bit.ly slash library relief, all lowercase. Um, that'll send you directly to the fundraiser. Or you can Venmo at Myberry. Now, if you if you donate through Facebook, it's gonna go straight to our physical sponsor, a 501c3. So you can claim it as a tax deductible uh, contribution. But uh, if you Venmo to me, then I'm just gonna give it to the Myberry. So I would suggest doing it through Facebook. Right. And I encourage everyone to do that. That's a great thing we can do to help our economy in Lafayette, help kids and keep music alive. We've got to make sure this next generation knows how to play instruments, um, because I have a feeling that you're going to be uh, in bands for years to come and you're going to need some people backing you up for a while. So we got to make sure lots of people know how to play. Um, so what were you like growing up as a kid? Did you know you always wanted to be an eye doctor? Uh, yeah, it's such a weird uh, thing, man. Like, uh, a kid, I was super freaking shy, introverted. Okay, stop it. That is impossible to believe. Really? Come on. Yes. Oh, man. No, like if you, if, even now, if you meet me in person, uh, it takes me a while to warm up. And if we're in a group, it's still like, you can tell, like, <laughs> you can tell that I'm, I'm really an introvert at heart. But, um, yeah, very shy, very quiet. Um, really hard for me to approach people. But since I had my first eye exam in, I don't know, sixth, seventh grade, I always thought it was cool. Um, and then I ended up working for uh, the optometrist at Today's Eye Care, mm -hmm. which is the the office in uh, Lens Crafters in the Acadiana Mall. Um, so I worked for them for almost four years. And, and I just kind of uh, fell in love with it and, and went down that path. Uh, I, I was convinced that I was going to go into art going into college, but I had a high school teacher pull me aside one day and say, um, dude, you're really good at biology. You're smoking my exams. You really should, you know, I know you want to go into art, but you should, you should at least look into the medical field. And, uh, it took me a little while, but I did. And, and I decided to go that route mostly for job security purposes, but it also <laughs> allows me to uh, have the time to feed my creative uh, thirst. So. Right. Now, I would think that art and science are two different sides of the brain. Are they the same or do you find some connection between those two? <laughs> uh, I mean, I have to be creative to be a business owner. I have to be creative to separate myself from my competitors. Um, so, I mean, I have to use creativity on a daily basis. So it might not be the traditional sense of drawing and painting and playing music, but I have to be creative on a daily basis uh, running this business. Right. So uh, they do feed each other. I don't know about the sides of the brain thing, but <laughs> they definitely feed each other. Well, that's awesome. Uh, Monica Rougeau just posted. She said, Ryan has such a smooth way of connecting people and encouraging others to pursue great things. Oh, that's She's awesome. Definitely president of your fan club, and I am a new <laughs> member. Um, so I have to agree. I think that um, I was just, as you were talking about art, wondering that good boy uh, painting right behind you, is that one of your works? No, this is not. This is okay. my friend, uh, Andrea. So Andrea is, uh, is a patient here, uh, but I've known her um, from a while back. 
she uh, creates, uh, you know, paintings and drawings of dogs. This is my dog, Lex. Oh, okay. And so it is your dog. It's my dog. All uh, right. And she did it for me. And uh, it's hanging up here in my office. So, <laughs> Which I love. I think that's awesome. And it makes for a nice backdrop on any online call or interview you might be on. Yeah. Uh, and then one thing we do here at Scott Eye Care is uh, every room and the hallway has art from local artists. Uh, so uh, I really love all things local, art, music. Um, I try to support it all. So we have local art throughout the clinic. That's awesome. We have the same thing here at our um, office. And it's primarily because of our gallery. You know, we participate in Second Saturday Art Walks. We've got all this artwork. And um, we don't charge the artists to use the gallery for the month or show during Art Walk. And so what I love is they gift us one piece from their collection um, at the end of the month. So we now have this amazing collection of local art and it just makes my heart happy when I walk through the office and see it on the walls. It's so colorful and it just makes me feel connected to all the artists around us. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, absolutely. And we have cool so thing. much awesome uh, art here, man. It's just like a plethora of this little city that we're in. Just There's so much creativity here. Exactly. Exactly. You know what we should do one time might be fun is take your collection of local art and do a gallery showing and invite all of your artists and have like a combo show. That would be so cool. That would be pretty neat. That's a great yeah. idea. Yeah. I think, and that'd be a good chance for them to see some exposure during Second Saturday Art Walk downtown, which, you know, we've been doing virtual art walks during this time. So people are seeing the art online, but one day soon we'll be able to see art in person again. And I think that'll yeah, be absolutely. pretty neat. Um, what would you say is the mission and the vision of your company? What's the why? Well, why do we do it? I mean, it really it's it's to help people enjoy uh, life to their fullest. That's how I try to live my life. I like to, you know, I know that we only have one and I, I want to live it to the fullest. And so you can't if you can't see. So like uh, I want to help you see better and I want to preserve your vision so that you can enjoy your life to the fullest. That's basically it. I think that's a good one. And I think that's important. Um, and, you know, we say it all the time, but not everybody lives that way. And I have to say, from what I know of you in the short time we've gotten to know each other, you live that way. And I appreciate that about you. I think that's a good thing. Yeah, um, thank you. Thank you. Sure thing. What have you failed at? What has not gone the way you wanted it to at all? At all? Yeah. Like, uh, it's a failure. Yeah. Dating, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still single. I'm 35. Uh, Man, you're know. just hitting your prime. Now's the right time. It would have been too early sooner. Yeah, you think so? Yeah. I think so. I tell people, like, look, I'm just avoiding getting divorced, guys. <laughs> but uh, no, it just hasn't gone well for me. But um, I'm not worried about it. I, I put, you know, I put my priorities where they needed to be so far in my life. And I know that... Uh, it's going to work itself out. So I'm really not concerned about it, but okay. that, that that's definitely been a failure. <laughs> well, now I'm mentally making a list of all the single ladies that I know because oh, uh, I feel compelled to set you up on dates. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. I've had a couple people approach me like during coronavirus and I'm like, dude, I can't even like this first two or three weeks. I didn't even understand that I had to eat or sleep. Right. So like, right now it's just like give me a few more weeks and then let's let's <laughs> and then let's see where what we can do but man uh it was it was a rough first two or three weeks i can't i can't deny that 
But I think everybody went through that. And if you weren't openly realizing it like you were, then you hit that wall two or three weeks later and it all came crashing down. So however people processed it and handled it, it's a big deal. This is not like a Lafayette thing. It's a global pandemic. Yeah, absolutely. The whole world, man. Right. You know, I do wonder if part of the reason why we have such a hard time mentally with coming to grips with it is you can't see it. It's not an enemy with guns. You know, it, it it's such a silent thing and, and so minuscule, you know, microscopic. And so having to avoid the cooties is really weird for adults. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's been part of the reason why. Plus, we're in our houses. Uh, for the most part, people still either have jobs or some semblance of something and Hopefully most of them have, you know, uh, air conditioning and food. So it's like your life hasn't shifted that much and yet it's completely upended. Yeah, absolutely. It's weird. Yeah. And it's a lose-lose situation in that, like, you either get angry that all of these restrictions are, um, you know, are enforced because, you know, we're, we seem to be doing okay as a, as a, uh, as a city or, you go out there and get sick. So it's like, it's a lose, lose situation, man. So uh, it's, yeah, like you said, those first two or three weeks or, or some stretch during this time, I'm sure everybody just had a struggle or is struggling. So uh, it's something else. I'll tell you that. Absolutely. Um, Tell me about the favorite thing that you've done in your career. So I'm kind of leaving it open because you have multiple sort of careers all at the same time. What's the one thing you look at and like, I'm so proud of that. Like I'm, that was top notch. Yeah. I mean, definitely the, the library. I mean, it's nothing to do with eyes. I know, but, uh, you know, I'm my, my real passion is, is arts is the arts. And, uh, you know, to, to be able to look back and say that I did something to help possibly, uh, you know, uh, create or incubate a musician, I guess you could say, um, is, is pretty awesome. I, I didn't even realize it until um, Aileen Bennett did a, a BU column on me. Right. And she said, um, she said, dude, one day uh, someone might accept their Grammy and, and think the library. And I was like, come on, man. But, but, but like, it's cool. It's cool to, to look back and say, I did something to, to uh, even potentially remotely make that happen. So I'm very, very proud um, that I was able to, to to do that with the help of my friends, Chris and Cassie, and the Lafayette Public Library System. No, I think it's a great thing. And I know that a lot of kids have taken advantage of it. Um, so I think you, you have a lot to be proud of. What event would you say has most shaped who you are? Uh, what event has shaped who I am? Man, okay, so... My first um, job, uh, I was a, I was gonna be a senior at Acadiana High. Reckon Rams. Summer, I took a job. I won't say where because I think the the guy that that uh, manages it still maybe still manages it. But uh, again, I was really quiet and shy and really difficult uh, time opening up even in high school. Uh, and my boss was talking about me and he and I heard him and he called me a deaf mute. <laughs> I was like, that's not that's not cool, man. Like uh it really like it it, it kind of shook me and it was kind of like, you know, I, I need to try to put an effort 
into, um, you know, coming out of my shell. Uh, but at the same time, that was really, uh, even though he was, he was joking about it, it's just kind of, it was kind of, kind of wrong. <laughs> so, right. Well, and now here we are, what, probably 20 years later, and that still sticks with you. So yeah. that's, yeah, hurtful. And I think people realize, don't realize sometimes how much words can impact someone and stay with them their whole lives. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I mean, it's, it's affected me in a positive way, but yeah, at sure. the time it was really, it was really hurtful. So, right. um, you know, I'm still working on it. And, uh, and like you said, I still remember it. So, right. <laughs> Well, I have to say, for somebody as introverted as you are, I'm very proud that you would take the time to do this interview and participate on such a public forum. Uh, yeah. So I think you've done a lot of work in the right direction to allow yourself to be authentic and real and subject yourself to questions without knowing what they were in advance. Yeah, yeah. Well, I can't lie. Like, uh, I watched the Marcells and, and Monica's <laughs> because if you put me on the spot, usually I can't the way my brain works is it takes me a day or so to, to, to process stuff. And then I can come out and, and say things and uh, usually in a, in a very uh, introspective way, but it takes me a couple of days. So I did cheat a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. That's all right. I'm, I'm impressed that you did that much homework just to prepare. <laughs> What's your guilty pleasure? Oh, uh, so I'm a, everyone knows that I, uh, love rock. I love rock music. I love local music. I have a, a, a great taste for local music, Cajun, Zotica, all that stuff, but I love rock music. So right smack in the middle of my playlist with Rage Against the Machine and Pearl Jam and, uh, I don't know, Soundgarden and Stevie Ray Vaughan is Lauren Daigle. Lauren Daigle bangs y'all like that. That <laughs> it's awesome that 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 chick is from Lafayette. Um, but man, uh, ever since I started listening to her, it's just like, and I'm not even very, you know, religious or anything. But like, it just kind of her music just freaking speaks to me, and that's just a lot of people will say that's not a guilty pleasure. You know, she's a badass, but. Uh, I mean, for someone that listens to hard rock and metal, it's right. just like it, she <laughs> sticks out like a sore thumb on my playlist. But I love it. And I love that you would name check her as a guilty pleasure for her music. That's so awesome. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of messed up, though, man, like because she's really good. Like she's she is good at what she does. If you listen to other Christian music, um, it could be bad. <laughs> sure. Absolutely. So we can't see you right now, Ryan, oh. but we can still hear you. Uh, so I'm going to keep asking questions and hopefully uh, you'll come back on physically in just a second. What do you say to yourself when you're in doubt? Oh, we now can no longer see or hear Ryan. So we're going to give him a second to come back around. You know, it's interesting how one guest will mention the name of somebody who ends up being the next guest. And so we've had that happen over and over again. So now that Ryan has name checked Lauren Daigle, we're going to have to get her booked next week so that she can talk about who she goes to for her eyes. Um, I feel like this is um, an opportunity for me just to solo interview myself, uh, but I'm going to get back to Ryan as soon as he comes back on. Um, can you imagine this guy's still single? I mean, he's a doctor, first of all, successful, smart, cute, great taste in music, plays musical instruments in a band, cares about the community, does fundraising causes for other people. I mean, the dude is a total catch. 
So, ladies, if you happen to be watching this interview, when Ryan comes back on, feel free to drop a little comment on Facebook or send me a message and see if we can't make a little uh, pandemic connection uh, because he's a guy who I think is fully cooked now. You know, when they're young and they're in college, not so much, but he has grown up now to be an adult. He's a businessman. And so I think now might be a good time for him to uh, be connected on the dating scene. I'm going to move on to the next topic of my stall while we wait to get Ryan back on with us live. Let's talk about who the next guest should be. So on Monday, we're going to be talking to Leanne, who's been doing portraits, um, but from a porch. You get it? Portraits. Oh, Ryan's back. Hey, I don't Yay. know Yay. That's all right. That. Technology. We have had some sort of technological challenge every single show. I think yeah. it's what makes it fun being live. Absolutely. <laughs> um, so tell me about the best mistake you ever made. Oh, man. I thought of a couple. Again, I cheated ahead of time. Of course. Uh, but uh, uh, they say to never hire your, your friends or family. Mm -hmm. uh, but the first person I, I hired was uh, was one of my friends from high school, okay, Beth Laborde. Okay. Uh, she is now my manager. She's still with me. Um, she's kicked ass. She's the reason, um, uh, you know, besides my, you know, ingenuity, she's the reason this ship sails every day. Uh, she works hard. She works her ass off. Um, but yeah. And, and look like our relationships changed since high school and she views me more as a boss now. And, and she's, she's mentioned it before that, it, you know, it kind of stinks that, you know, it's changing in that way, but uh man that was the best uh move i've made um the other employees not with me anymore that i hired at the beginning but uh she actually and i don't think i'm supposed to uh, <laughs> i don't think i'm supposed to say this ahead of time but last year i was honored as the louisiana young optometrist of the year by the board congratulations year, thank you this year, she was honored as the para-optometric uh, of the year, so the optometric assistant of the year. And I'm not supposed to say that, but- Okay, uh, we'll keep oh, it well, secret. I wanna brag about her, cause she's awesome. That is so fantastic. That and the five people watching, they won't tell anybody either. So don't worry, <laughs> we'll keep it as a secret. Um, Ryan, I want you to know Michael's uh, comments that he, you just saw flash across the bottom of the screen are because when you were having technical difficulties, I was encouraging anyone watching who might be single to um, reach out to me for a date with you. And oh, so Lord. that's why Michael wrote the producers of this podcast did not support Jackie's pimping of Ryan. Yeah. I see that. He's bottom. got your back. Just know that he is defending you. Um, so I love that story. I love that you broke with your own rule and what is common practice in business is not to hire friends. But not only did you do it, but it turned out so successfully. And now she's got such a great career because of it. Yeah. So kudos to you, man. That is awesome. Yeah. And I mean, like the the, the main reason I did it, because I knew she she's a hard worker. She was at Academy Sports. Uh, at the time she was a manager but the hours weren't working for her so i just took a leap of faith and it worked out for the both of us for sure that is fantastic what would you say is your pettiest pet peeve oh definitely um uh, uh, people pimping people you out What's <laughs> okay that? good i was afraid you were going to say people pimping you out so good <laughs> <laughs> uh usually if someone sets me up it's just because 
you're single and they're single. They don't put no thought into, is this going to work? You know, are these people going to mesh? And so uh, that is kind of a pet peeve. Sure. <laughs> but what's your pettiest one? Yeah, I would say, man, the people that don't use their turn signal that aggravates me so bad. Right. Um, when I'm at a stop sign and I can't tell, is this car slowing down? Is it not? Um, why don't you just put on your turn signal and let me know? <laughs> so I don't know. I just get so mad about that. It's such a stupid thing, but it's, it's, it's so easy to do. Like, is it, does it consume that many more calories in your day that you can't <laughs> click the, uh, the turn signal? Like, does it, uh, does it wear you out to turn to not put the turn signal? <laughs> like I'm getting mad right now. <laughs> All right, let me lower your blood pressure. Bring it down. <laughs> Mick Essex is saying this is the best show yet, so you're okay. Oh, it's all man, right. Mick, that's my boy. But you're right. I've gone through four um, teenagers in driver's ed in the past five years, and it, there is nothing more annoying than that. It's crazy. It's not that hard, people. It's a little lever. It just goes up and down, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Oh, crazy, crazy, crazy. What historical event would you like to most have witnessed? Oh, that's a tough one. Uh, I guess like maybe Woodstock, you know, uh, yeah. I, I just uh, big fan of Hendrix. And that was just an iconic performance. Uh, I would have loved to have been there. That's really I, I could. Uh, again, I cheated on your question, but uh, <laughs> I'm OK with it. All I could have come, could come up with. But man, that would have been so cool to be at that. I mean, really, could you imagine? I mean, and I, I read online and I have not done the research or fact check this. so I have no idea if this is accurate or not. But Woodstock was during kind of a mini pandemic. There was some sort okay. of virus going around at the same time. So maybe that means we're primed for some new, cool, awesome musical event. And you're going to get to go to Coachella. Maybe that's yeah, what that means. That would be freaking awesome. Right. <laughs> so you've never gotten to go before. No, I do frequent music festivals, uh, but I've never gone to Coachella and, uh, you know, one of my buddies, Kyle Menard, he, you know, I was kind of griping about the price, but he was like, dude, break it down by day by day and look at all the awesome bands that are there. Like, just go. And so I bought yeah, a ticket. If you bought individual tickets for all those concerts, it would way surpass the cost of oh, one. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Seth Thomas has fact checked me and he says, yes, Woodstock was during a pandemic. Wow. I didn't so know that. I feel better now. Cool. Yeah. Um, so of the concerts you have gotten to go to, especially some of the bigger festivals, which ones were your favorite? Oh, Rage Against the Machine puts on the best live performance. They don't rely on pyrotechnics or anything special. Uh, they just they just rely on passion. You know, whether or not you agree with their political views, uh, they just really passionate about their music. I really love uh, seeing Rage Against the Machine. I had tickets to see them three times this year. Uh, but, you know, stuff happens. So. Pandemic. Yep. Uh, but yeah, I would say that. But my favorite festival is probably uh, Austin City Limits. You have like almost uh, unlimited, um, you know, choices. You can go to this stage, this stage, this stage. You can plan your day out. Uh, it's awesome. And the weather in Austin is just incredible. Um, and of course, I do love the local festivals. Uh, but as far as like big names and big acts, I really like Austin City Limits. Okay, so you've talked about a lot of different musical talents during this um, interview, which I appreciate. 
And you've run the the gamut now from Lauren Daigle to Rage Against the Machine. I saw, hey, I saw Lauren Daigle at Austin City Limits. Okay, so no, no <laughs> doubt. And I, I love that you love her enough you've seen her live. Jessica Harvas, who works with me, I would imagine to be on the Lauren Daigle end of your musical spectrum. And yet she's now commented that Rage is amazing live. I wouldn't have thought she knew who they were, much less that she had gone to see them live in concert. We're going to have to do a far deeper screening process before allowing people to work here. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what HR is doing, but we have gone off the rails. That is funny. Um, okay, so we're about to wrap up the question and answer portion before we go to the magical two last cards. So I'm going to end with the, the big blue card section. What question do you wish I'd asked and what would the answer have been? Um, probably what's your next project? Oh, that's a good one. I'm going to add that to my <laughs> list. So what is your next project? Well... You know, the way an entrepreneurial mind works is you're constantly bombarded, whether you're trying to or not, with new ideas. And, um, you know, if you're not careful, you'll for, you'll forget them. OK, so I try to write them down um, and the best ones will stick with me. Um, so I have several projects I'm working on, but um, the one that I really want to carry forward now that you know, this pandemic has, has happened. Um, and, you know, hopefully we'll be able to get to uh, the point where we can enjoy music festivals again uh, in person. But uh, I did a series of shows at the Blue Moon Saloon over the past few years called the Melting Pot Show. Mm -hmm. What I would do is I would book three or four bands and they would all be completely different genres. But your job for the night was to cover each of the other band songs. And so we had uh, like for one show, we had a Cajun band, a hip hop band, a rock band and a, like Americana band. And we all had to cover each other's songs. And so I want to make that into a festival. Um, I have some ideas on how to incorporate art and food and stuff like that. Uh, but uh, now that, you know, Corona has taken that that has been kind of on the back burner. But now mm -hmm. that coronavirus has taken that away from us, I really want to go forward with that. And so I have some ideas. But um, again, I have to freaking uh, <laughs> work right now. So uh, that'll come. I think we have to put you in touch with Anita because this sounds like something we need to have happen downtown. I've already talked to Anita. I mean, so. <laughs> holy cow. That is a festival made for downtown Lafayette. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so we have six minutes left, which means we can only do one card. You get to pick one. Do you want to do lightning round or do you want to do actor studio questions? Uh, which do you prefer? I guess actor studio. I okay. Let's try that. All right. Well, these are the better set, so you've made okay. a wise choice. Okay. So what is your favorite word? My favorite word is mm -hmm. rock. I like to say rock all the time. <laughs> what is your least favorite word? Least favorite word. I feel like a lot of people would say moist, but uh, I don't know. I would say uh, blind because I have to. I have to say that to some piece, some patient, mm -hmm. and it's just always, always. It's never gonna be easy um, to tell them that they have a potential to go blind. I can't even imagine what that conversation must be like. It sucks. <laughs> yeah, I mean, really, of all the senses, that's the one that I would hate to give up the most. Absolutely. The yeah. most heartbreaking thing I've done is tell um, a 14 year old that she won't she won't ever be able to drive that 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 was like 
the most gut-wrenching thing I've ever done in my career. I have a 16-year-old who uh, just got the ability to drive, and that would have mm -hmm. devastated her. Oh, man, it, it was it was awful. And I mean, like, I, I had to tell her, like, you know, it, it was my duty to not only inform her, but like, it's my duty to also keep her safe and keep other people safe. Right. So it's something that has to be done. But man, it was hard. That's heartbreaking. I, I can only imagine. So um, what turns you on? And this is not part of me setting you up on a date. This is a legit question <laughs> from the actor studio. That's awesome. Uh, probably ambition, but also uh, ambitious people who carry through with their ideas. You know, there's a lot of ambitious people that never do anything about their ambitions, but people that follow through with their ideas. What turns you off? Um, probably the opposite. Ideas, people who are just that. And I know a few of them, and I won't name any of them, of course, but you can they'll uh, claim to come up with all of these uh, incredible, you know, they'll take credit for a lot of these incredible things when really they didn't, they, they just came up with the idea and didn't really do anything about it. Right. What sound or noise do you love the most? Uh, man, after I just like absolutely hammer out a guitar solo and the crowd is just like, Dude, that was awesome. <laughs> like the crowd <laughs> goes nuts about it. That's my favorite sound. What sound or noise do you hate the most? Uh, probably my, uh, probably whenever a doorbell comes on, uh, on the TV, uh, because I'm, there's a, there's a hair of a second between that and my dog's barking where I'm like, oh crap, my dogs are about to freak out. Um, and it's not even it, your door. <laughs> yeah. Whereas uh, like a real life, doorbell I usually I'm usually expecting someone but on the TV I I don't know when when a commercial is going to have a doorbell or a doorknob right right <laughs> <laughs> what's your favorite curse word uh shit for sure uh, right. I say shit all the time but I thought of this uh, if you're like in a bad mood and you want to perk up replace that word with piss and it just makes you smile <laughs> like imagine someone saying that's a bunch of bull piss like, that, just, that sounds so stupid well so, now you sound like a rancher <laughs> try saying piss <laughs> okay i like it i'm gonna swap them out what profession other than your own would you like to attempt oh man um probably man there's so many things i want to do uh but probably uh, like a producer, a music producer, mm -hmm. as opposed to the musician. Uh, I like to, to hear the ideas and then say, well, what if you did it this way instead? So I would like to produce an album, you know, by, by a band one day. So I think that'd be a great one. What yeah. profession would you not like to do? Uh, probably a teacher. I feel like teachers are essential. Um, but so disrespected, um, they don't get paid enough. They don't get heralded enough. We have teacher appreciation week, but that's, that's not enough for what they do for us. Right. Uh, so, I mean, I hate that I'm saying, Hey, teachers, I don't want to want to do, I don't ever want that job, but like, I'm grateful that you guys are doing what you're doing. I just wish you were respected in the way that you should be. Right. And our last question. When you arrive at heaven's door, what do you want to hear God say? 
I want him to say, um, dude, you lived your life to the fullest. I appreciate that. You took that one life I gave you and lived it to the fullest. You almost didn't make it here, but uh, no, <laughs> you wouldn't say that. I'm too goody goody. But uh, yeah, I want him to say like, you really, you really lived it out to the fullest. Awesome. I think that'd be great. Ryan, thank you for your time. I appreciate all of you who got the chance to spend an hour with us and listen to Ryan talk about all of his many adventures and adventures. Um, thank you all, and we will see you next time. <laughs>